Just recently, uh, I was able to hire a new virtual assistant who used to work for a friend of mine, no longer works for him. And he said to me, look, this person is a superstar. You're going to love working with them. And I snapped them up because I will always find work uh, for them to do. I'll find uh, new ways that I can be more efficient in my business and I'll tap into uh, some you know, uh, valuable experience that, that they might have as well. So um, I'm a big fan of virtual assistants and I think you will be as well uh, if you start using them. You're listening to The Growth Birth, the show focused on achieving lifestyle freedom through online businesses. Whether you're looking for step-by-step strategies to start building an online business, simple game plans to grow your business, or proven lifestyle freedom frameworks, you are in the right place. Stay tuned and be sure to join the thousands of listeners already in growth mode. This is episode number 68 of The Growth Birth. I'm Aidan Booth. Welcome to the show. Today we are continuing on from where we uh, left off last week talking about virtual assistants. Last week I spoke about how to uh, find a virtual assistant, some of the expectations you might have of a virtual assistant, the kind of jobs that they can do for you, and a few things you might want to consider before hiring a virtual assistant. You can check that out at thegrowthbirth.com, episode number 67. And as always, we also publish the video version of that on YouTube. So if you want to see the video version, then you can head over to YouTube. In this episode, episode number 68, we're talking about what happens after you've hired a virtual assistant. So I'm talking about retention, I'm talking about managing your virtual assistant, and some best practices to make sure that you get the very best out of the relationship that you have with your new employee, who will hopefully go on to become an absolute superstar in your business. It's important that you think a little bit about managing your virtual assistant and put some time into this because the output that you get is going to be directly correlated with the relationship that you have and the style of management that you have. Also, you're working on different time zones for the most part, and it's going to require a fair amount of trust going both ways. But you can get incredible results without needing to overcomplicate things too much. So I'll dive in here first by talking about managing some of the day-to-day tasks. And I think um, at a fundamental level, what you should be using are project management tools and apps to streamline and centralize your approach to management. Now, some of the tools that we use, and I touched on these in the last episode as well, but uh, include things like Trello, that's one of my favorites right now, uh, Skype, uh, Loom, Notion uh, is another one, and these are good to communicate uh, a series of tasks around a project and be able to sort of make sure that um, you know you've got an open line of communication, and any communication that you have is tied to a specific uh, thing. So, in particular, I like Trello uh, for this, and I also like Basecamp as another one. They are superior in my mind to the likes of Skype for project management because you can have conversations that are uh, sort of organized by threads. So 
you might be doing lots of different tasks with your virtual assistant, and one of them might be related to social media. Now, that social media conversation that you have can be in its own thread. Imagine, on the other hand, just trying to communicate everything and all of your ideas back and forth with your virtual assistant through something like uh, Skype. It can get quite messy uh, and cluttered. So that's why I like the likes of, of Basecamp and Trello uh, for that G Suite is good for file sharing. Uh, we also use Dropbox a little bit. And Toggle, T-O-G-G-L, is a good tool for time tracking. So the project management tools can provide a centralized platform for communication, and this just makes it so much easier to communicate and share information, and some of the tools that I've mentioned should help you with that. You can also use these tools to track tasks, to add deadlines, to make sure that the tasks are being done in the right order, and that's going to improve uh, efficiency, uh, productivity, and also just make sure that you and your VA are on the same page. Project management tools can also help facilitate better collaboration between you and your VA. And if you've got multiple people working together, then it's also going to help with that because the whole team is going to be able to see what's going on. So with the production of this podcast, for example, I have a virtual assistant who manages a lot of the different moving parts, but I've also got a um, a show manager who manages like the higher level um, ideas that we've got uh, with the show. We've then got a video editor who uh, handles the video editing and we have uh, someone else who handles the communication of the podcast episodes uh, via email and social media channels uh, out to our subscribers. And we manage all of this through a Trello board. And it's easy for me to see at a glance who's doing what, what we're up to, uh, and add in any you know bits and pieces that I want to add. And it also makes my life easy because all I need to do is sit down and record an episode like what I'm doing right now. I hand it off uh, to the team. Uh, and when I say hand it off to the team, I just it takes me about one second to add a note into one of the Trello boards and say, you know, episode number 68 has just been filmed. And then everything else happens on autopilot. This is uh, the power of leveraging a team but it's so much easier when you're using something like Basecamp or Trello is what we use for this podcast. Social media management is one of the easiest um, things that you can outsource to a virtual assistant. And uh, in this day and age, a lot of the different projects you're working on probably require uh, some kind of social media management, or if they had social media happening, it'd be beneficial. So this would be one of the things that I would recommend you consider. Uh, I have uh, my VA, uh, one of my VAs, uh, manage all of the social channels for uh, my business. So she uh, creates uh, different posts for the different channels. And when I say the different channels, I'm really talking about focusing on Instagram and Facebook at this point. And she manages them through Hootsuite, which is a social media um, account management tool. And the beauty of this is that we can schedule um, dozens of different posts uh, at any given point in time. Uh, so we're not going in and having to actually post every day. We can also uh, manage uh, comments and reply to comments and, and so forth so much easier. And from my standpoint, this is less important, but it's important for some people, is I don't have to give up my passwords to any of my social media accounts um, either. So um, I can just give this person access to uh, Hootsuite, uh, and there are others uh, out there. I think there's another one called Buffer, 
uh, but there are a bunch of them out there. And that's enough for them to go in and do the job. They create the content, they curate the content, uh, they can write uh, captions, design graphics, uh, add videos, pretty much anything you can imagine. And this is something that's getting um, easier and easier or, or faster and faster, more and more dynamic with the advancement of AI tools, which we're going to be talking about in another uh, of the upcoming episodes. So I know my virtual assistant likes to use Canva, uh, for creating social media images. Uh, Photoshop uh, is another good one if it's a blog. You know, WordPress is something that you might um, want to use to sort of get involved in the social media posting as well. So Hootsuite is great for scheduling uh, your posts and managing them. And you can also have your virtual assistant engage with your followers as well. And they can engage uh, using their own name, they could engage on your behalf. They can reply to comments, uh, messages, mentions, and this helps build out a, a community. And if that's one of your goals, then this is an area that a virtual assistant could be absolutely uh, indispensable. And I know that my own virtual assistants probably know a heck of a lot more about social media uh, than I do because they are significantly younger than me uh, and more switched on to those types of, of channels. This episode is brought to you by Cartsy. Cartsy is an all-in-one e-commerce shopping platform that can help you build an e-commerce business in record time. It provides you with all the bells and whistles that you need to get started selling your own products online. And it's incredibly easy to use, built for newbies who want to grow an online business without all the hassles and headaches that come with other shopping platforms. If you'd like to learn more about Cartsy and take advantage of a special offer that we've set up and I I can do that because I'm actually the owner of Cartsy, then head over to thegrowthbooth.com forward slash Cartsy, that's spelled C-A-R-T-Z-Y, that's thegrowthbooth.com forward slash Cartsy, and get more information about how we can help you build an e-commerce business and how you can unlock the power of Cartsy today. Now back over to the episode. Now the next thing I wanted to talk about with regards to managing uh, your VA on a day-to-day basis are payment methods. This is something that you would have fleshed out when you were testing out and getting to know the virtual assistant. But just to re- recap on that here and to give you some more insights into the different ways that you can do it. Sometimes you can pay direct into a VA bank account, your, your VA's bank account. PayPal uh, is an option. However, PayPal often have um, fees associated. So just be sure to, to factor these into your costs and to make sure that you're paying the fees and that your VA is not left with them. You can also use remittance uh, centers, the likes of Western Union, uh, to send money to the Philippines. And again, I'm assuming that your uh, virtual assistant is in the Philippines here. Um, these services charge fees as well, but you can talk to your virtual assistant about you know how often uh, you want to to make the payments, and it may be beneficial for them that you make it once a month versus once every single week uh, or something like that. And there are other online payment platforms as well, the likes of uh, Payoneer uh, and Wise that allow you to transfer funds into your VA's bank account or e-wallet uh, in some cases. The next thing that comes to mind when thinking about managing your VA is motivating them. So there are multiple different things that you can do here. I mean, ultimately, I think what you're trying to do is set up a good working environment for them. And one way you can do this uh, is by paying competitively. 
you can hire a VA for $2 an hour, but it's not going to be very attractive to someone in the Philippines, especially when you uh, consider you know, the foreign uh, exchange costs and just the cost, the cost of living in the Philippines. You're really not going to get... Um, you're not going to get much motivation by paying $2 an hour. I think uh, that sweet spot is more between the $3 to $10 an hour. And as your VA gets more experience and as your business grows, then hopefully boosting them up closer to $10 an hour, that's going to be uh, quite uh, motivational. The thing to remember, though, is that one of the beauties of hiring someone in the Philippines is that you can pay significantly less than what you may pay in developed countries like the United States or other Western countries. So paying $5 an hour could be pretty attractive to someone in the Philippines because the cost of living is so much less. And I know that in Argentina, uh, for example, is another uh, example You know, close to home, uh, given that I live in Argentina, people are also um, attracted to earning in dollars. They don't really want to earn in the local peso currency because there's so much inflation. So this can also be a side benefit that you might not have uh, thought about, but can definitely be a benefit uh, for someone, uh, you know, in a developing nation, certainly like Argentina um, and potentially like the uh, Philippines as well. Another way that you can motivate your virtual assistant is by sharing in work benefits. So worker benefits. And if you think about your virtual assistant, if they were working in a corporate job, in the Philippines, they may be offered health insurance. They may be offered retirement plans. They may be offered paid uh, time off. They may be offered maternity leave, leave and other things as well. And as someone hiring a contractor, you can choose to offer these uh, or not. And I basically come in on the end of, you know, I want my virtual assistants to be happy. And for the most part, um, this is something that I would prefer to package up as part of their compensation plan. So you can talk to your uh, virtual assistant and find out about this, and it may just mean a uh, marginal bump in the hourly rate. And you say, look, I'm going to be paying you a little bit more so that uh, you know we can participate in um, you know the health plans and so on and so forth that exist in the Philippines. Another thing that exists not just in the Philippines but also in Argentina for employees are a 13th month of pay. So the 13th month of pay is something that's legally mandated for all employees in the Philippines, including Filipino VAs. And it's kind of like a, a year-end uh, bonus. And it's equivalent to one-twelfth of the annual salary. So it's equivalent to an extra month. And this is something that also exists uh, in Argentina. And I still haven't really got my head around this because um, I would have thought that you know the compensation would be covered uh, in whatever the annual salary is. But uh, for whatever uh, reason uh, or no reason at all, uh, there is a 13th month of pay. And it's not only a legal requirement, but it also shows that you value and appreciate their hard work and contributions to uh, your business. So I think it's just something that's good to do. And the saying that's a legal requirement, I'm not sure that uh, as a contractor there's any legal requirement for you to pay that. Uh, it's not really my area of expertise, although I would find that uh, pretty hard to believe given that you're hiring someone on an hourly basis as a contractor. If they were a full-time member of your team, then that might be different. But what um, I'm doing uh, is always hiring my VAs on an hour-to-hour uh, contractor uh, style basis. In saying that, and um, you know, regardless of that, I still think it's a good idea if you've got someone on your team full time 
to pay them the 13th month. It's a small bump. I guess it's a, like a 10% bonus, it sort of works out to be, uh, over the course of a year, but it can mean a huge amount to them, especially uh, at a time of year when things can be more expensive with you know different festivities happening. I think it's also important to give a raise when it's been deserved. So uh, the most important factor to consider here is the performance of your virtual assistant. How long they've been with the company uh, is probably something to consider as well. The loyalty that they've given. And I think uh, you can decide this based on the financial health of your business. Obviously, if your business is really struggling, you might not be in a position to do this. But if your business is thriving and your virtual assistant is a key part of that, then consider giving uh, pay rises um, from time to time when it's uh, deserved. You can also provide uh, other incentives as well. So you can offer opportunities to your VA to learn new skills, attend conferences, uh, training programs. You can uh, send them to industry conferences. You can uh, give them the opportunity to travel, uh, either to travel to meet you in a, in a fun place, to work uh, from different locations, and you can provide them with equipment uh, as well, or um, you can cover different costs like internet cost if, if you wanted to do that. Recently, uh, one of my virtual assistants had an issue with her laptop and she wanted to upgrade her laptop, but it was quite a financial um, outlay to buy a brand new laptop. So um, I bought the laptop uh, for her and uh, we just uh, deducted the, the payments uh, for that laptop uh, from her salary over a course of 10 months. So basically providing financing uh, for things like that. And this is just one thing that you could do. You know, you could just offer to buy uh, the laptop for uh, the VA as, as another option. Another thing to think about uh, is to agree on the paid days off. So there are a lot of public holidays in the Philippines, but then you've also got to take uh, into consideration sick days, vacation days, and you just want to be clear about uh, your stance on these from the get-go. Do you expect your virtual assistant to work you know, uh, every single day, five days a week, you know, 52 weeks a year? Is it fine if they take um, their own local public holidays off? Do you expect them to uh, take uh, you know, the days off um, that are public holidays in your country. The way that I do it is to um, recognize the public holidays that they have. And obviously, if they're sick, then I want them to recover and I don't want them working at the computer. Um, and because they're on a, um, you know, for the most part on an hourly basis, if they want to take a couple of weeks of, of vacation, then that is also sort of self-correcting um, because they can take vacation days, but they're on an hourly rate. So uh, they're not specifically uh, paid for those necessarily. If they're on a full-time contract though, then you might want to work that in and say, look, you know, with your contract, um, you know, you've got two weeks of, of vacation uh, time per year. So it's really just about managing expectations and there's no right or wrong uh, to what you offer. The key is that you communicate uh, whatever it is. And 
With regards to communication, I think maintaining an open door policy is the absolute key here. You want to know, you want your virtual assistant to know that they can reach out to you anytime to discuss concerns, feedback, or questions that they may have. You want to be open and transparent about your decisions, your actions, your plans. And you want to, you want that communication to be a two way street though. So one of the most frustrating things when you hire uh, someone else is if you can't get through to them when you need to get through to them. So, this is important and one of the most important things for me in my business is communication. So I say to any team members, not just VAs from the outset, that I need uh, an easy way to be able to get in touch and I need, uh, you know, um, I, I expect that my virtual assistant or my team are going to be paying attention to their emails uh, and Skype, um, you know, multiple times throughout the day uh, in case I need to, to get a hold of them. You want to be clear on tasks and you want to keep yourself open uh, for questions about them. The best thing that you can do is to give a clearly defined task. And I like to give an objective uh, more than an approach to doing it. So I'll say, look, this is what I want to end up with. And this is how I do it. You might find a better way of doing it, but this is how I do it. This is what I want to end up with. And these are the most important things. And I use Loom uh, a lot for this. Loom is great because... Um, it gives a, a screen recording of your um, of your desktop uh, of your you know what you're seeing on your screen, and uh, it provides sort of over the shoulder um, demonstration if you like, and it's a great way to to teach. And I always come back to uh, whenever I'm teaching anything to any of my team is first I do it, then we do it together, and then I hand it off and they do it. And one of the best approaches to this is to Think about, you know, what kind of training could you give someone so that you never ever have to do a certain task again? Um, and that's creating a, a standard operating procedure, essentially, which could just be a simple uh, video. One of the things that I mentioned in the last episode was expressing appreciation. So saying thank you, uh, making sure you, you know, recognize achievements and participation in achievements of uh, different things that your company uh, may go on to achieve. It doesn't cost you anything. It doesn't cost you money. It doesn't cost you time uh, to say thank you. And it can be a really important part of maintaining uh, good rapport and morale with uh, your team. So uh, that's definitely something that I think you should add into what you're doing. And finally here, I think sharing company goals and sharing what the bigger picture is can make sure that your virtual assistant feels part of your company because oftentimes these are people that are working from their own homes. They could be, you know, 5,000 miles, 10,000 miles from where you are and it's easy for them to feel disconnected. But if you uh, have a meeting once in a while and they're included in that or if even if it's not a meeting, if it's just a, an email that you send them talking about the bigger picture, making sure they understand why you're asking uh, for certain tasks to be done on a day-to-day basis, then I think this can help you get on the same page. Now, if you don't feel like you're ready to delegate tasks, I, I would just ask why that is. Um, because task delegation has very low risk for the most part. You can choose what you want to uh, delegate and you can start just by dipping your toes in the water. You don't have to uh, get too crazy with, with delegating um, you know, mission critical uh, elements of your business. When I got started, the very first job that I outsourced was writing. It was it was writing uh, blog posts, and uh, this was something that had very low risk. I was paying, uh, you know, on a 
on a content by content uh, basis piece for that part. But even with VAs where you're not paying on a delivery um, specifically, you're still only paying uh, what is for most people a, a pretty low amount uh, on an hourly rate. And you've got the ability to be able to test people out before you hire them. And what's the worst that could happen? You know, you, you go through the process of trying to find someone that doesn't work out. Well, that's fine. You know, you wouldn't have, have lost any money and you would have probably picked up some good experience. So, um, I'm absolutely, um, a fan of hiring virtual assistants. And anytime I get an opportunity, uh, to snap up a virtual assistant, I do it. In fact, just recently, uh, I was able to hire a new virtual assistant who used to work for a friend of mine, no longer works for him. And he said to me, look, this person is a superstar. You're going to love working with them. And I snapped them up because I will always find work uh, for them to do. I'll find uh, new ways that I can be more efficient in my business. And I'll tap into uh, some you know, uh, valuable experience that, that they might have as well. So um, I'm a big fan of virtual assistants. And I think you will be as well uh, if you start using them. So uh, check out episode number 67 of The Growth Booth if you haven't seen that uh, already and that will give you some more uh, insights into some of the things that you can do as you're getting ready to hire a virtual assistant and I will see you here on the next episode of The Growth Booth. Talking again soon. Bye for now.